G'day and welcome to On The Road with Mike and Andy, the number one weekly Australian podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. You can listen to On The Road on the Australian Big Rig Roadshow and via podcast on iTunes, Spotify and SoundCloud. Search for On The Road Aussie Trucking Podcast and hit subscribe. On the road, proudly brought to you by Seeing Machines, the makers of Guardian, the most advanced safety technology available for commercial truck fleets. In this week's episode, we get a bit technical and talk all things axles and trailers with a long-time professional truck parts interpreter. We do a wrap on this year's amazing supercars great race at Bathurst. Mike asks some important questions and something to talk about a little later on, plus all the latest news. So let's fire her up and get this show on the road. G'day, this is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24-7. Loads of truck and classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address, bigrigradio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the big rigs on the road. <laughs> Just a quick word about our sponsors. Go to our webpage, www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au and you can see who the friends of the show are. And if their products are something that you are interested in or something that you may need, please support them because they support us and they bring our show to you. for V8 supercar tragics like myself, last weekend we were treated to a truly great finale of the Supercars Championship for 2020 in what we all simply refer to very affectionately as Bathurst. In what was to be the final hurrah for Holden from a factory back point of view, it was fitting that Shane Van Gisbergen and Garth Tander bought the 97 Red Bull Racing ZB Commodore home in first place in one of the tightest finishes we've ever seen. For Holden fans, it was exciting to see the Giz finally better his two previous seconds in the great race in 2016 and 2019, to take the top step on the podium for the first time and be awarded the Peter Brock Trophy, making him the 2020 King of the Mountain. SVG virtually sealed the win at a crucial time in the race when a heavy shower fell across the top of the mountain, proving once again the web-footed Kiwi revels on a wet track. In a race that saw considerably less mechanical carnage than in some previous years, The racing from the opening lap to the chequered flag was brilliant, virtually becoming a full-on sprint race for the last 60-odd laps. Two late safety car interventions guaranteed that the finish was going to be nail-biting edge-of-the-seat stuff. Congratulations to Shane Garth and the 888 Red Bull Holden Racing Team for a great win. To Cam Waters and Will Davison in the number 6 Monster Energy Tickford Mustang for an oh-so-close second and to Chaz Mostert and veteran Warren Luff in the 25 Mobile Appliances Online Commodore who filled the final spot on the podium. And for all the Ford fans, although not quite being able to go back-to-back as a Bathurst winner, the superstar of the supercars in recent times, Scott McLaughlin, driver of the 17 Shell V-Power Racing Mustang, 
was fittingly crowned as the 2020 Supercars champion the third year in a row he's earned the title. McLaughlin was also awarded the Barry Sheen Memorial Medal and his hugely successful team DJR Team Penske once again received the Team Champions Trophy. It was also awesome to see the incredible commitment to supercars by one of On The Road's great friends and supporters, NTI, National Truck Insurance. Earlier this year, NTI became the official truck insurance and roadside assistance partner of the Virgin Australia Supercars Championship. From the truck assist sponsorship proudly emblazoned across the Tickford Holdsworth Caruso Mustang, who incidentally came home first in the final qualifying session, to the yellow cover sponsorship covering the 35 Matstone Racing Commodore of Jacobson and Russell, to the can't-miss-it NTI signage right across the track as we watch the cars round Hill Corner and roar up Mountain Straight lap after lap. Well done NTI for being such a great supporter of what this devoted fan believes is the best motor racing competition in the world. Hey, I just realised it's only 52 weeks until Bathurst. Oh yeah, bring it on. Hey everybody, Kermie here from Trucking with Kermie. I listen to On The Road podcast on the Australian Big Rigs Road Show. And when that's done, pop over to Trucking with Kermie on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there, and in the meantime, take care of you. We are talking today with old mate Dave. Now, Dave has worked for 40 plus years in truck parts. He's worked in the OEM sector. He's worked in the aftermarket sector. Today, we're going to have a bit of a chat about discs and wheels and brakes and trailer axles. It's a dry old subject for some, but it motivates Dave. There you go, mate. Good, Mike. Thank you for having me on your show. No worries, mate. No worries at all. So, what's your favourite axle, mate? Well, what do you call a favourite axle? Because to most truck drivers, axles are axles, okay? So the general purpose trailer drum axle would probably be, for a spare parts bloke, the easiest axle to comprehend and work out what is needed for that particular job. I was talking more about brands, though. So you've got your BPW, you've got your SAF, you've got your general purpose, you've got your Maxxis. Your general purpose is probably my favourite because it's the easiest. (laughs) The man that likes it easy. What's the best quality axle, though, in your opinion? I mean, what's going to give me the best run for my money? For your money, the BPW, by far. It's the most reliable axle out there on the market. And it'd probably be one of the more common axles on the market. So what makes them the best axle, in your opinion? Their reliability. They are so reliable. You don't have to spend a lot of money on them while you maintain them. But then when you do maintain them, especially on disc, you are going to put your hands in your pocket and put your hands in your pocket deep. Right. So if you run your BPW axles with disc brakes, they're not a cheap proposition, are they? No, they're not. Here again, it depends on how you run them and how you service them. If you keep your pads up to them, keep your eyes on them, They're not a bad axle to run, but if you let them run down and start wiping out pads, rotors, calipers and all that, they can be very, very expensive. Yep. So the disc brake systems that we see in our trailers and everything these days, they've all got the electronic braking systems, they've all got the electronic stability systems. Does that increase the price or affect the reliability of the axles? Is simple better? As far as reliability goes, all the electronics these days now are more reliable they extend the life of the axle because they can balance out the braking a lot better than the old days where you just put your foot on the brake and operated the old brake shoes type axles. Technology in axles has come a long way. 
do we go for self-adjusting slack adjusters or do we go for the old school 916 slack adjuster that we used to crawl around under the trailer with a ring spanner and adjust? Well, there again, it's horses for courses and what people like. The manual adjust ones are good as long as, like you say, all the time under there adjusting them. The auto ones were well, there for the lazy people who just want to not have to do anything and just keep on going. <laughs> Yeah, you tuck it in reverse and just tap the brakes and... Off you go. They're adjusted. Off you go. All right, so we've looked at axles. You like the BPW axles. How do you feel about SAF axles and Maxxis axles and all that sort of stuff? Well, SAF is a South African axle. For a parts person, they're a more complicated axle because they're very hard to interpret and it's very hard for the poor bloke behind the counter if a bloke comes in and says, I've got a SAF axle. Well, there's six, seven, eight different types of SAF axles. Unless he knows exactly what model SAP axles he's got, it's very hard to interpret. By interpret, you mean get the right bearings, get the right wheel seals, all that sort of stuff? Yeah, get the right bearing combinations, and especially when it comes to disc pads and rotors, because you've got your 10 studs, you've got your 10 stud 285, you've got your 10 stud 335s, all that varies in your pads and in your rotors. Unless you come to the counter with all the information, the poor bloke behind the counter is pulling his hair out. For poor old blokes like me, it sends you grey. Sent you grey. Have you got hair, Dave, still? I've got hair, but it's all white these days. <laughs> That's through British Spare Parts Interpreter. Having to do with the blokes on the other side of the counter. I'm sure. While we're on that, while we're talking about spare parts interpreting and being on the other side of the counter, mate, why the hell does it every time you go to a Kenworth parts counter, you have to have a vehicle identification number? Why can't they just give you the generic light or something like that? Well... I've never worked in the pack ass spare parts, but according to the guys I talked to that I know in there, you can't open this system up unless you've got a VIN number. I know. Now, in other spare parts I've worked at, you didn't need a VIN number. You could click on a particular truck and open it up, and what you needed was a generic type stuff, or you could go off that. But according to what I've been told from the pack R boys, mm. you can't open the system up unless you have a VIN number. Unreal. And that's a bit of a pain in the backside. Yeah. <laughs> You rock up and you want that generic bloody VDO dial from the dashboard. That's right. I mean, how hard is it? There's one on the shelf. Give me a break. Yep, that's it. And you've got to go and find the VIN. It just drives you mental. Where were we before we were so rudely interrupted with my meandering? So we were talking about the different axles. Yep. The Maxxis axle, that's pretty much a generic axle, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Maxxis axle, that's just another name for a generic axle. That's just their brand of a generic axle, Maxxis. Yep. That's Maxi Parts. Right, eh? Yep. Right. Coming through coal rain and places like that, where your SAF is through SAF Holland and your BPW is Transpec. And BPW and Transpec are trailer builders. Well, freighter trailers will put a Maxxis axle on the stand unless you specify something different, won't they? I think so. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure on that. Yeah, I know the last time I bought a freighter trailer, I didn't specify what landing gear I wanted and I got Maxxis yeah. landing gear and I didn't specify yeah. what axles I wanted and I got Maxxis axles, but they were all right. Look, there's nothing wrong with them. An axle's an axle. You know, they're all pretty well commonly the same, your Maxxis and your GPs. It's just when you get into the disc brake stuff and some of the 19-inch axles now that are coming into play, well, geez, that's a nightmare. So when you start running smaller diameter wheels, does that sort of have much of an effect on the temperature of the hubs? No, it doesn't. They still run the same temperatures. As far as I know, I'm not a mechanic, so I've never gone out and put a gun on them, but they're sort of same size wheel bearings and everything. So that doesn't change that much. It's just the rolling diameter of the wheels, I believe. Right. So when I turn up at the parts desk, 
I need to have a certain amount of information with me to make the job as easy as possible, make sure I get the right bits and pieces. So obviously I need to know what breed of axle it is. Okay, I'll go through it for you. You need to know what breed of axle you got. Is it strum or disc? Is it five stud, spider or, or ten stud? If it's ten stud, is it 285 or 335? Because that makes a whole of a difference. Yep. Then you just go from there. It's just the customer on the other side of the counter knowing what gear he has under his trailer or under his truck. Yep. I've always said through my life as a spare parts interpreter, the best thing a truck driver can do is have a book. I presume you blokes now carry iPads in your truck, so that'd be even easier. <laughs> is list stuff on your iPad. Go through your prime mover, go through your trailer, what engine, what gearbox, what axles, back down to the trailer, what axles you're running there, what valves, and that makes it easier for a parts interpreter to interpret. If you blow a valve out on the road and you don't take it off, you say, oh, I've got this trailer and I need this valve. Sometimes it gets a bit hard. So, Dave, once upon a time, when we didn't have disc brakes, we had drum brakes, we were all into the riveted brake shoes and everything, and I remember the days out in the yard, you know, and smacking the rivets out and putting some new shoes on and putting it all back together, and then we went to these bonded shoes, and they seem as though they've fallen out of vogue again, we're back with the riveted shoes. So, what's the story with that, mate? Is it cheaper to do the bonded ones or cheaper to do the riveted ones? I mean, what's the best thing in your opinion? What do you see guys replacing more often? Well, in the early days, riveted was the go. Then bonded came onto the market. Now, bonded didn't have a very good run for a while till they got their act together. And once bonded got their act together, I feel, personally, I would prefer to sell bonded over riveted when I was selling them in the early days. For the pure and simple reason was you got a better lifespan out of the bonded than you did out of the riveted. But the thing with a bonded is people let them run right down past the wearing indicator and the shoe would let go. Mm. And that wasn't the fault of the bonding. That was the fault of the people not carrying out their maintenance. But it did give the bonding a bad name. Mm. So it sort of fell out of favour and went back to riveted. That's gone from there. We've progressed from riveted now onto disc brake. Yeah. But I think you might find in years to come, it might go back to riveted again because disc is getting very expensive to repair. Mm. And for the average truck driver these days, with all the costs he's got in running a truck, he's got to try and keep his maintenance bill down. And unfortunately, with disc, even though they are very good and very reliable, they are very expensive. So it's all about the maintenance cost and the ongoing running cost of your vehicle, isn't it? You can still do all the same things with a drum brake that you can do with a disc brake. You can still have your EBS and ABS and all that sort of stuff on a drum system, can't you? Yes, yes. I've known a few people that have had disc brakes and it's just because you know, if they've got three or four trucks in the fleet and they're all on disc brakes and you're running close to the wire financially, which most truck owners are these days, there's not a lot of money to be made in trucks, I'll tell you that. I know a few blokes have swapped back to drums because they did the same job, but they were a lot easier and inexpensive to repair. You might find in years to come, the industry might be back to drum brakes. That's my opinion. Now, time will tell whether you're right or not, Dave, anyway. But you go and buy a new axle hub-to-hub, talking about refurbishing that old trailer. Yeah. What do you need? You go into the spare parts shop. Yeah. What do you need? You need to know the axle length. Well, in the GP now, there's only what they call an 1850mm axle. That's the only one you can buy. Right. So that's the most common and that's the cheapest. You'll pick one of those up anywhere between 15 and $1,800 hub to hub. 
Right. That comes with slack adjusters and S cams, everything. All you got to do is work on your boosters and your valves and your axle seats and your airbags or your springs, where you're putting on it, and off you go. A drum axle you're talking about? Yep. So you'll get the axle, you'll get the hub, you'll get all the bearings, you'll get the S cams and the slack adjuster, yep. and then you've got to add the saddles, the plumbing, and the boosters. Yes, that's right. It's quite an inexpensive repair bill compared to what you would do on disc brakes. Right. And how long does it normally take in a workshop to do that, do you know? You can change over an axle in a day in a workshop. Right. You can pull one out and put one in and do all the plumbing and everything, and you should be able to roll it in and out in a day. Right, eh? That's good to know. Mm. That's not that complicated. Just about any competent mechanic can probably take care of that, can't they? Yeah, yeah. Probably the most complicated part of it is getting your saddles in the right position. Yeah. You need someone who's a bit of a fabricator then. Well, you've got to weld them on, but you've also got to know where to weld them on. You just can't put the saddles on and axle them all on. You've got to get your S-cams and slack adjusters in the right spot so everything lines up when you put it back up. All right. So why don't they come with the saddles already on them then? Because there's different height saddles. You can have one-inch high saddles. You can have three-inch high saddles. Right. So depending on your suspension, what suspension you're running, it depends on the height of the saddle you run. Okay. So that's why you can't have saddles on them. Okay. Well, you make it sound reasonably straightforward. It's not something you have to spend a lot of time thinking about, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's straightforward. Once you see it and understand it, it's straightforward. And anybody with, I'll say, half a brain industry can work it out. Dave, you've worked all over the place in the parts industry. Yeah. Are there any particular difficulties, any particular hurdles for people to overcome? I mean, is it a good job to work in parts? It's a very interesting job. It's a challenging job. And you've got to be thick-skinned because, boy, boy, some of the people we meet over the other side of the counter, they're pretty ordinary. <laughs> so you've had some interesting interactions at the counter. Oh, yeah, many interesting interactions and a lot of arguments at the counter too. <laughs> <laughs> it has been an interesting career, put it that way. It has its good points, it's had its bad points, but thankfully more good than bad. So what's the best truck to get parts for aftermarket in your experience? Well, there's no best truck to get parts for aftermarket. Every truck's different, but usually in the aftermarket, they service them all. When I say we service them all, it comes back to filters, all the non-genuine type stuff, your universal joints, your diff parts, your brakes and all that. But sometimes you've got to go to the OEM because the part that you want is only serviced by the OEM. It's sort of two worlds. And now, in the last 20 years, the OEMs have clicked on that they can also service the aftermarket through their own branches, their own brands. So now you can go into an OEM and the part you buy may be an aftermarket part which competes with the aftermarket. So they've got themselves really switched on the last 20 years, not only just selling original parts for the vehicles, but also selling the aftermarket stuff, what I call your shit and glitter. <laughs> shit and glitter. Where do a lot of the parts come from? Are we importing things from China or what were we doing there as far as parts go? Depends on what vehicle you're running. Now, here again, your European type stuff naturally comes out of Europe. Now, a lot of the parts that you buy for these European stuff, valving that, or your brake valves and all that sort of stuff, are genuine European valves. And sometimes you have to go back through the OEM. So what the OEMs do is they stitch up all these valve makers for five to ten years. They make the valves for the vehicles, but they can only be brought through the OEs. And then after a certain period of time, they're allowed to put them into the aftermarket. So as far as I was concerned, the European trucks are nice trucks. They're a pain in the ass to get parts for. 
your American type trucks, your Ibecos, your Kenworths, your freight miners and all that, they're good. If you own one of those and you break down somewhere and you need a part, good chance is that even though you own a freight liner, you can walk into an aftermarket shop or even a Kenworth shop and maybe be able to find the part you want because they are so much interchangeable, interflexible. So a lot of the stuff for these type US trucks are coming out of the USA, North America. Mm. But when it comes to your brake drums and all that, we're used to manufacturing here in Australia through Toowoomba Foundry, but now a lot of these types of brake drums are coming out of China. And same as some of these brake shoes, they're all coming out of China. And it's a shame because some of it's good quality, but some of it is absolute crap. Well, you get that in everything, don't you? Yes. Yeah. All right, Dave, it's been great to have you on the show, mate, and get your insight into the parts and trailer and axle segment of the market. Appreciate your time, mate. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Mike. Hey, everyone, this is Jane Denham, and you're listening to Mike and Andy on the road. When it comes to road transport, safety is everything. Seeing Machines Guardian minimises the risk of fatigue and distraction for drivers and provides real-time monitoring centre analysis and appropriate intervention. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Already trusted by more than 400 of the safest road transport businesses around the world, they've discovered how Seeing Machines Guardian is scientifically proven to reduce fatigue events by more than 90%. To find out more about how Seeing Machines Guardian can provide proven assistance in safeguarding your fleet, your valuable cargo and most importantly, your drivers, visit the website at www.seeingmachines.com or give them a call on 02-6103-4700 for more information. A lot of you guys would be familiar with Tone's Trucking app and it's been rebranded as TruckWiz Australian Navigation. It's now bigger, better and more accessible than ever before. Mike's had a play with the new look truck whiz and he's very impressed to say the least. We'll be going on an in-depth journey through the new app in an upcoming episode, so stay tuned for that. In the meantime, here's Mike's initial take on the new truck whiz app. Just come for a bit of a quiet drive today down the southeast coast of New South Wales, heading down into Victoria to do a bit down here and turn around and come back again. I've been trying out Tone's trucking app. They've made some improvements to it, but I'm pretty bloody impressed with it actually. I've got a top-end Garmin in this truck, which I use, and I've had Tony's app sitting up there beside it. My word, I'll tell you what, it's pretty comparable. I'm going to get the boys on the show. We'll have a bit of a talk about it, I reckon. For more information about TruckWiz, previously known as Tone's Trucking App, go to www.truckwiz.co. On the Road News is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. Hi Mike, how's life on the road, brother? Mate, it's warm out here. What a great day to be trucking, I tell you. I love it. Nice and air-conditioned in the studio, but anyway, I won't rub that in. (laughs) It's a big week for news, so let's just hook into it, eh? Yeah, indeed. It's been a matter of time, I guess, but a new electric truck has been launched promising zero emissions for an improved carbon footprint. Mm. It has. Mm. It has. (laughs) (laughs) The all-electric SEA Hino 917EV is being used by Fulton Hogan down in the city of Port Phillip in Melbourne, running around doing sign maintenance. They love this thing. They reckon it's fantastic for their job. 
but really he's only a fairly short range thing and he does uh, a couple hundred 275 kilometers before it runs out of power but they can charge it on three phase to 80 percent in about five hours so you know given what we know that these signage vehicles do they spend a lot of the day sort of sitting around and doing their job and carting things from here to there they don't need that greater range anyway mm. and it's a great development it's been built on a Hino chassis, but they reckon it could be built on any other glider chassis they like. So for the people that don't know, a glider chassis is just a wheels and dips and all that sort of thing. And it doesn't have a motor or gearbox or anything like that in it. So they reckon they can get one from any manufacturer, slide their power pack onto it and make it work. It's worth looking at in the future. Yeah. How's it sound, mate? Well, it doesn't sound at all, mate. There's no <laughs> noise at all. I like that big Cummins Raw, mate. You're not going to get it out of one of these. You might have to have it on tape. Yeah. Maybe you could tape it and sort of play it at the window. I don't know how you go. You know, I wondered about that. We did a piece a bit earlier on the supercars. Yeah. They're talking about with the new Gen 3 of the supercars allowing for future electric conversion. Can you imagine sitting beside the oh, supercars track? Mate. Yeah. Anyway. Seriously. Oh, 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 oh. Raw power. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Moving on, the ever-popular TV series Outback Truckers is on the hunt for new trucking talent for its upcoming season. Now, you'd have to be on the top of their list, Mike, surely. <laughs> Mate, I don't need to be on Outback Truckers to make a fool of myself. I can do it all on my own. <laughs> no, seriously, I had a chat with old mate Yogi about being on Outback Truckers and all the rest of it. I had another friend of mine who was on the show when it first started. And seriously, look. If you're into it and you've got a big personality and you're out there, by all means, jump onto their Facebook page, Outback Truckers, send them a message. I'm sure that they'd love to talk to you. It's not something that I'd go into, but you know, Steve Graham and a lot of the other guys are doing a great job out there. And like Steve and Yogi, obviously, are my favourites. I watch the show from time to time, have a bit of a laugh. But if you're happy to be on the camera and you want to have a go and you think you've got something interesting to do, by all means, get hold of them and have a go because it's one of those things that's an experience. That's all I'll say to you. Oh, it's an Aussie institution, mate, Outback Trackers. It is, it is, it is. I can just imagine you and Yogi together. It'd be like the Abbott and Costello of Australian trucking. <laughs> <laughs> mate, we end up cracking each other up. Every time we talk to each other, we end up falling about the place laughing. It's terrible. Yeah, it'd make every one-hour show a two-hour episode, wouldn't it? Yeah, no, we wouldn't get any work done, that's for sure. Yeah. Mate, the Sydney Convoy for Kids is going virtual. How's that going to work? Well, what the story of it is, is that they're going to have an increased amount of merchandise that they're going to make available to people. Some limited edition trucks that you can buy. It's all about raising money for NETS. Now, NETS is the program, which is an emergency service for sick and injured babies, infants and children. And they provide the helicopters and the planes and they go out and they collect these kids and they bring them into the city and put them in the health services and give them the best care that they can possibly get. Mm. Sometimes that's not available out the bush. So this is what NETS is all about. This is what Convoy for Kids is all about. And this is why people should dig into their wallet and support these guys. Now, I've been a part of Convoy for Kids a couple of times now down the Illawarra. And they're all going this online route at the moment. So you'll have your virtual convoy and everything. But just jump on the internet. All the usual merch that you normally get, all your T-shirts, your flags, all that sort of stuff's available. But there's 200 limited edition trucks. They raise on average about 70000 just this particular convoy we're talking about. Wow. We raised a couple of million down the Illawarra a couple of years ago. It's all important. It buys the humidity cribs. It buys all the resources. Some of the funds go towards the purchasing of air ambulances and ambulances and that sort of thing. It's really, really important. Please, everyone, get on the internet, get onto the Convoy for Kids webpage and just find it in your heart to give them a little bit and help them to help others. That's what it's all about. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. And do they include an electric truck amongst the ones you can buy? 
jeez, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, no. mate, as you well know, I'm from Queensland and quite unashamedly. Yep. We are on the election trail, woohoo. <laughs> Premier Palaszczuk has supported the Queensland Trucking Association's proposal for a dedicated inland freight highway. How's that going to work? Mm. Well, mate, they're talking about a road from Mungandai on the border of New South Wales all the way up through Roma, Emerald, up to Charters Towers. Mm. Now, that road up through there already exists, and it's pretty ordinary in places, I know, because I've driven over it. Frequently, yeah. <laughs> Frequently. And I don't want to poo-poo what Anastasia's saying or anything like that. Glory be, if they can go ahead and build this freight corridor, it'd be fantastic. Get a few trucks off the Bruce Highway, which is just a disaster and has been for years. Now, we all know that every single government that comes into power or wants to stay in power always has this infrastructure money that they want to spend. Mm. I'm trying to get hold of Gary Mann, who's the CEO of the Queensland Trucking Association, to have a bit of a chat with him about their proposals. Now, Gary's one of these guys that's completely across all of this, and it'd be very interesting to have him to have a bit of a chat. The aims of this is to reduce truck movements on the existing Bruce Highway. They reckon they can do that by up to 49%. Yep. They want to cut freight travel times to North Queensland to the key markets of Sydney and Melbourne. Yeah. That it would do because it's a lot quicker to go down through the middle than just to go around the coast. Mm. Upgrading that inland highway will make it suitable for larger vehicle combinations. I don't know how big they want to go. You can drive a double road train up and down and down. Mm. And they want to prioritise the maintenance and highway upgrades to meet the heavy haulage stands. My only fear is that they will go ahead and do all this and make it there and get all the trucks out there, and then they won't put the supporting infrastructure in there because they've got a history of doing that. Mm. We've got to listen to what the guys like Rod Hannaford have got to say about standards with respect to rest areas and things like that. If you want to push more trucks out there, that's fine, but give us the infrastructure to work out there. That's all I would say. Absolutely. But it's a $10 billion commitment, apparently. So mm -hmm. let's see what happens. Yeah, promises is one thing. Whether we'll see it in our <laughs> lifetime or not is another thing altogether. Uh, maybe I'm just too cynical, mate. Maybe it's a club we're all in. Mike, Omni Tanker have found their way into dangerous liquids tanker operations by pioneering work in the use of composite carbon fibre material, claiming impressive savings in both weight and cost. Omni is an Australian company. They're based in Smeaton Grange in Sydney, and they are actually got into the American market, mate. Okay. They make a range of tanks to Class A dangerous goods. So Class A dangerous goods are all your corrosives, things like acids. Traditionally, those things have needed to have a bladder inside them because the acid will leach through and you'll get cross-contamination and all that sort of stuff. What Omni have done, they've patented a layering system. They don't have to have that bladder anymore, and it makes those barrels much more usable. Mm. That has been attractive to people in the U.S., and so they're now exporting those modules to the U.S. and putting them on U.S.-built chassis and axles over there, which reduces the delivery time and makes them completely compatible with the already established American trailers in their market. So it's a big thing for a small company in Sydney to be moving into a market the size of that's available in America. Omni do a great job. Our fleet's got a few Omnis in it. I love Talon and Omni. They're quite a nice trailer to tow and operate. Mm -hmm. Congratulations to them. Well done. And finally, Mike, because time's marching on for us here, Chemtrans is delivering a level of training never seen before in this business, designing and using an innovative new platform that's proving to have some pretty impressive results. Given that I'm in the dangerous goods bulk tanker business, I read this article and I'm looking at it and I'm going, why has no one done this before? Mm. What they've done is that they've gone ahead and they've built a trailer which has got a whole heap of connections on it and they've made it into a simulator. So what I can do as a dangerous goods driver, and this is what they're doing with their guys in training, they can go up to this thing, and there are a number of problems that you can have when you're discharging dangerous goods, acids, and things like that from a tanker. Hmm. 
this simulator allows them to simulate all the potential problems that you can have without having any dangerous chemicals in the mix. Mm. They use water instead of the chemical. And unfortunately, if you make a mistake, you might get sprayed. But the reality of it is, is if you're getting sprayed with water, it's a damn sight different to being sprayed with hydrochloric acid. Yeah, just a bit. So you can't afford to muck around when you're dealing with the real thing. Traditionally, when you go into the dangerous chemicals goods, you've got to go out with a trainer for several weeks and you deal with each scenario in a one-on-one situation. They're all unique things. 99% of the time, everything goes along and you have an uneventful day. And that's what I like to have every day, an uneventful day. Absolutely. But when it all goes wrong, you need to know what to do. Mm. And this is what this simulator can do. They can create the circumstances with this simulator where it all goes wrong and you get the chance to live the experience and work out what works and what doesn't. And you're not playing with a dangerous chemical while you're doing that. The best time to learn how to do what to do when it's all going wrong is before it all goes wrong. For sure. I congratulate Chemtrans for doing this. If I get a chance to have a go on this thing and have a talk to their instructor team, I will grab it with both hands and have a go at it. It is a fantastic thing. And there should be more of this sort of thing in the transport industry. Yep. We should have more of these guys having a go on these simulators. There's plenty of simulators around, just that guys don't get a chance to play with them. Yeah. All I can say to Ray Fitzgerald and the guys that are behind this at Chemtrans, great work. Yeah. Love your work, mate. Shall we do this again next week? Indeed, I think we should. I think we should make it a weekly habit. I think so. All right, buddy. Well, <laughs> God bless you and all who sail upon you. <laughs> Good on you. Keep it safe, mate. I'll see you when I'm looking at you. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. For more than 70 years, the name Pearlcraft has been synonymous with handmade pearl and marble finished steering wheels and gear shift knobs. Each and every Pearlcraft product is 100% handcrafted, keeping true to their motto of always work with pride, let quality be your guide. They can transform and enhance your current steering wheel or create a whole new wheel designed to suit your rig. Visit the Pearlcraft website at www.pearlcraft.com.au for more information about the complete range of Pearlcraft products and services. G'day. I just wanted to talk about the TWU and what they do or don't do for the industry. I try to keep across whatever's going on. I see various headlines, things written, the TWU are fighting for our jobs and defending industry rates and all that sort of stuff. I would say that the TWU probably has done a few things for the people in the transport industry over the years. But in my opinion, a lot of the time, the TWU is missing in action. And they've been missing in action on big issues for a long time. They're missing in action when it comes to wage theft. They're missing in action when it comes to waiting time at DCs and missing in action when it comes to hourly rates of pay for drivers who should be paid by the hour. Our logbooks are by the hour. Why isn't our pay by the hour for everyone? That you can go and you can pick up any old truck and life magazine or any old owner driver or any old big rigs right back into the mid-70s, and you can see that these issues have raised their head again and again and again. You can go and sit at any one of the major distribution centres, doesn't matter whether it's Coles, Woolies, Metcash, ALM, Big W, any of them, doesn't really matter. 
You can go in there for your time slot and you can be told, park over there, mate. We'll get to you when we're ready. They don't care because they're not paying for you to sit there. A lot of local trucks that are coming in and out and going, they're paying for all those and they'll deal with those. But the long-distance drivers have been facing the same problems year on year and the TWU know that this problem exists. I know they do because I've talked to people there about it and they have done nothing about it. They're fighting for your job, they're defending industry rates, not defending wage theft. Now for me, if someone is sitting there, they're compelled to be there, they can't go somewhere else. If you've got to move up in a queue, then you've got to sit there, you can't be asleep resting in your bunk. It's work time. These people know that these things are true and yet they do nothing about it. I would bet my left if the people that had all these DCs had to pay for the demurrage for the trucks that are sitting there, then they would soon sort out their staffing issues. They would soon sort out their time slot issues. Drivers would start to be paid what they're worth. It's been my position for a long, long time that drivers should be paid by the hour for the work that they do. Oftentimes, if you're doing long distance, the day goes on, but the pay doesn't go on. Yeah, we get a nice pay at the end of the week, most of us, but some guys don't stop to consider how many hours a day they spend working for free. People say to me, yeah, Mick, one day there'll be electric autonomous trucks and you blokes will be all out of a job. I don't think so because there'll be no one to do all the free work. That's something to talk about. It's been talked about for a long time. I'd love to get your feedback on it. Take care. Keep a shiny side up. We'll see you on the road. That's our show for this week, and it was proudly brought to you by Sing Machines, the makers of Guardian, the most advanced safety technology available for commercial truck fleets. Hope you enjoyed the show. For more on-the-road news and additional features, visit our website at www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au. If you'd like to share your thoughts on the podcast, offer suggestions, or just let us know what's on your mind, send us an email to mike at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Be sure to join us same time next week for the next episode of On The Road. In the meantime, play nicely with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. The team here at On The Road are great believers in the right to freedom of speech. And whilst we might not always be 100% in agreement with the views of guests and contributors, we firmly support their right to hold and express those opinions.